Welcome back to the Hidden Things in Hidden Things part um, five. Sure. Why not? We why, why don't we say five? Uh, in which we are going to be going over chapter six, where we meet Gluin, the fat man. Gluin's probably uh, like Calliope and Vicus and Johnson and Walker is probably my favorite character in the story, and Lauren. So Gluin's also my favorite character in the story. He's probably the character that I've been looking forward to reading the most. As I said in one of the previous ones, I, sort of vaguely inspired by a character from, uh, I think, the Maltese Falcon that I read ages and ages ago, and he's obviously stuck in the back of my head. He's just kind of turned to 11. He grosses out pretty much everybody I know who's ever read this thing, which is kind of why I love him. Welcome to my version of Gluin and how he gets read and me choking on my own phlegm as I'm trying to get the words out. Question one from the studio audience. Why is Vicus with his cigar and his, you know, long coat so much like Hellboy? For, for my personal timeline, the question is, why is Hellboy so much like Vicus? Because uh, I'm fairly certain that in 2002, I hadn't read any Hellboy. It had been out, obviously, long before then. But I, I got my uh, Hellboy exposure, so to speak, via um, Dave Hill. I know it didn't happen until later than that because we were probably talking about something and he's like, oh, you haven't seen Hellboy, you need to see Hellboy. So as much as Vicus is like anything, he's not Hellboy because I, I, I can't claim him as, a, as an influence. I love Hellboy. I think Hellboy is awesome. But unfortunately, the similarity is sort of accidental. Vicus for me is the gruff but lovable uncle. Very gruff, very rough around the edges but still very good at babysitting. If you desperately need somebody to babysit, he would come over and take care of the kids and the kids would have an awesome afternoon about which they would be entirely sworn to silence about everything that went on there. They, you, you know, I can't come over and do this again if you ever tell your mom what happened. Sort of the uncle I hope to be. Aren't all authors supposed to have an authorial avatar? Maybe, maybe he's that. He's a lot of things. Is Vicus my Mary Sue? No, Vicus gets the crap beat out of him and he screws stuff up with a fair regularity. So I don't know that he's a Mary Sue. Either. So far, he had, I mean, he's supposed to be a guide for these people that go on this, on this tour of Calliope's and he hasn't had a check in the wind column for quite a while with that. So he's a bit down on his luck. But back to Gluin. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're coming to Gluin and, and Vicus comes in here and decides he's going to get up to the top floor and we see him kind of spook out the, the guard in some way that we can't really see. Yeah, what are the domains of Vicus's power? That's an interesting question. I don't think he uses any kind of magic or anything like that on the guard. Calliope assumes that he does because the guard kind of like, oh, and freaks out and lets him up. But I don't think that was actually Vicus using any power. That was Vicus, actually, that was Vicus not using power. That was Vicus for a moment in the direction of the guard dropping his semblance of normalcy. So you get to see a little bit, the guard gets to see for a moment, a little bit of what he really looks like. And that is enough right there for him to go, please head to the elevators, you know. And we find out later what, what Vicus is really like. He's, he's angelic or demonic or, but he is, he's quite an epic creature. When you, when you see him, I, I don't want to say in all his glory, but certainly in all of his presence, He's quite a striking thing, and we get to see a moment of this. There's an interesting thing, and I'm going to actually see for the backers at least if I can find this image that I did. When I was first thinking of Vicus, and this was probably the first day after I started writing the book, and I hadn't written a scene with Vicus yet, 
I found this website and I died. It's the, the site's not around anymore, but there's this weird cartoon, like webs, this weird website where you could take different elements of a clown face and make a clown face. Like you could drag in different eyes and different nose and different mouth and everything like that. So I was messing around with it just because I thought it was funny. And I did a series of them because there's some really disturbing ones in there. I did a series of them. And one of them basically looks like a dude in a clown, like just clown makeup. And then the next one is like that same face, but I like the nose sort of like disappears or sinks back in or becomes like a slightly flatter kind of nose. And then the next one, like the, the mouth stretches out and the teeth get all kind of yellow and very pronounced and the eyes get smaller and the, the ears sort of point up and everything like that. And then there was the last one is like this massive gaping maw of like jangly teeth and, and no nose. And it was, you know, hugely monstrous. And then I took them in whatever program I was using for photo editing at the time, probably paint shop pro because I'm elite like that. And I strung them up in a series, like a column, like they're coming out of a photo booth. Like there are a series of four shots that Vicus goes and sits, well, this guy goes and sits down and he looks like a normal clown and he sort of morphs in this other thing in the period of time that it takes to take these pictures. I thought it was a really cool idea. And that is actually where Vicus came from, was that series of pictures. I need to find those because I, I think I've still got them floating around somewhere. I hope I do. That was what gave me the idea of Vicus. I just wanted to write that guy. Uh, so in this scene, he isn't so much using magic or anything like that as he is just letting his face shift a little bit closer to the other end of the spectrum. His other powers are basically knowledge, and he does do magic, I guess, words of power. Words that still have significance and meaning, and that's why they're not in English, because, I don't know, generally speaking, English isn't, isn't you know, it's a familiar language, so it's not considered to be a powerful language. Magical Hungarian, as a result. Why did Vicus forget what night it was? This goes back to the, is, is Vicus a Mary Sue? No, Vicus makes mistakes. There's some element there of him simply being a little bit off his game or making assumptions that people are going to kind of be on his side to a certain extent with this. He's got a role to play. He's got a job to do. Generally speaking, the thing that he's doing in the broad scheme of things is for the benefit of all other weird creatures. So why wouldn't they help him? Except they don't. So he makes these assumptions that he's going to have some people on his side and really he doesn't, or he doesn't have very many people in his corner. He does have a few. So he makes an assumption there and Gluin kind of kicks him in the teeth over it, figuratively speaking, because Gluin can't really, you know, kick people. Is it possible that Gluin would have helped if Calliope hadn't been such a jerk? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. Calliope re reacts to Gluin in a very visceral way that I think everyone in my immediate family completely understands because in this moment, I guess, um, Calliope is channeling my sister and her reaction to somebody like Gluin would be, yeah, that cockroach response. It's definitely where it comes from. She doesn't entirely control it. Retroactively, I can say, well, it's part of stage two and she's in the anger stage and blah, blah, blah. But you have to remember that although it's laid out in the five stages and it sort of follows this and it totally makes sense. I didn't think about that at the time. I didn't, I was not consciously aware that I was doing that until later i was i think i was through the first draft before i looked back and said hey these stages are actually the stages and blah 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 but she you can see her shift from denial to kind of not quite acceptance but she's moved past denial as not the primary response to all this stuff to anger and this is the first chapter of her anger phase and consequently she's kind of torpedoing a lot of the stuff that could be helping her right now because of that 
And that continues for a while. Now, all of that might fairly be said to be artistic BS because, okay, so here's the reality. Here's the wizard behind the curtain thing. When I did the first draft of the story, this is our only scene with Gluin. He faces off Calliope, gets the information, gives her the information, they leave, and they never see Gluin again. He comes up a bit. He's mentioned a few other times, but he's done. We don't do another scene with him. In a later draft, I needed more time in the city before Calliope left. I needed more time to pass. I needed some events to transpire, which meant I needed to find a whole other day in the story. And I didn't know how I was going to get that. And I was reading through the scenes and realized that this could be very efficiently accomplished by having Gluin say, nope, not going to give you this information because uh, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. That's why I'm not going to give you this information. And I was just patting myself on the back for that. Realizing later, it kind of, my someone, one of my first readers was like, so it's like how monsters never go out on Halloween and uh, Buffy Vampire Slayer. And I'm like, yes, like that, you know? So I didn't feel quite so brilliant about it at that point in time. But at the time, I thought I'd come up with this really great thing. And I think I did. I think it completely fits with, you know, no deals on Halloween. There are no explanations as to why this is. And that's, I'm again, I'm fine with that. I, I think it's more interesting what, a reader will come up with as far as why that is. But that's that's really why this happened. Luckily, I was able to, I mean, there's a lot of really good reasons for it to happen too, not least of which is because to a certain extent, as I just said, Calliope is sort of torpedoing these events in ways that Vicus cannot anticipate. In a way, Vicus's mistake is not so much with regards to Gluin as it is Calliope and anticipating what she's going to do. He is adapting to it though. I mean, the last thing we see is him smiling evilly as he walks out the door. So yeah, Calliope is going to be a pain in the butt, but Calliope is also by far and away the toughest person that he's guided. And there's something to be said for that. That's something you can hit your wagon to with a certain amount of confidence when you've got somebody like that. Side note a little bit, the chicken bone story, which people find kind of weird and sort of creepy and kind of weird is that's actually not fiction as such that pretty much just happened to me exactly the way it did when i was a little kid so the whole choking on the chicken bone hung over the kitchen counter nobody knew the heimlich dad's just pounding me on the back bang 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 i needed a food story because i'd kind of written myself in the corner where gluing was asking for something like that and it was the first thing that popped into my head so that actually happened that was the thing where I almost choked on a chicken bone. Nobody else in my family really remembers it, but it's sort of stuck in my mind since I almost, you know, died. See, the thing is, it happened when I was really young. I would say four or five. Well, I guess not really young, but pretty young. I think that for the, I think the next couple of times we had chicken, I pretended to like start coughing and stuff at the table because <laughs> I thought, and that also stuck with me. It, it, I, I remember doing that and you know, retroactively now I'm thinking about kind of wincing going, oh, you idiot little child. Why are you acting like such an idiot? Um, and I do remember my parents basically just ignoring it. Like their, their deal was no reaction whatsoever and it will stop being fun quicker than any other possible way we could react to it. And it worked after like the, I think I did it twice and I realized that the, I was just making them disappointed with me. I stopped. So, you know, I come from the Midwest. I come from, uh, you know, this was, I was being raised in the seventies corporal punishment would have been just fine in that context and not remotely raised an eyebrow amongst anybody in my family or outside of it. 
But my folks, especially my dad, found a lot more mileage. Not to say that there wasn't an occasional ass whooping, because there was. But uh, my dad quickly discovered that there was a lot more mileage in quietly expressing disappointment in my behavior. It got a lot better response out of me. And that ended up, it was just way more effective. I, I would have rather gotten my butt whooped than have him kind of look at me like, I can't believe you're acting like this. That, that was bad. I didn't like that. I, I quickly moved to make that not happen. I guess that is a little bit of magic the Ficus does in this bit. His cigar kind of lights and unlights all the time. He pops it in his pocket, pulls it. It's the same cigar through the entire book. It never gets any shorter, never gets any longer. It's just there. Uh, what's coming next? What is coming next? We have a little interlude. We're gonna, we get to spend a little bit of time with Josh because Calliope's going to sleep now. She went home and went to sleep. So we're going to hang out with Josh for just a second. And then we are going to... Oh, we're going to have a little bit of time with Josh and Callie back in the day. A little bit of bad time with Josh and Callie. There's some good times coming with Josh and Callie too, but this is one of the bad times. So that's what's coming up. 